Trent Cotney and John Kenny are dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal business and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law and Mortar. Hey, I'd like to welcome everybody to another episode of Law and Mortar. This is, I think, episode 73. And as always, I am here with uh, my good friend, John Kenny. John, how are you doing? Doing great. Yes, it is episode 73. When you think about it, it's hard to believe we're already up in the 70s on that. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know how long we've been doing it, but it seems like yesterday when we started and it's, you know, really kind of taken off. I really enjoy getting the questions and the comments and the the stuff after the fact. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, and it's a good way for us just to kind of get the word out there. Um, so, you know, John, a lot going on uh, this, this week, um, you know, as we get into the new year, a uh, couple of things that I think are worth touching on, you know, the, the first is, is yesterday, the Federal Trade Commission came out and proposed a pretty robust rule that would uh, effectively eliminate uh, non-competes from employment agreements. And, you know, you and I know that, you know, non-competes basically prevent you as an employee from working for a competitor for a certain period of time. You know, not every state allows it. There are certain limitations on it, all that kind of stuff. But uh, interesting move. Um, you know, I... I understand both sides of it. If you're an employee, it's fantastic. If you're an employer, you're trying to figure out what the next step might be. And we still have a long way to go, right? I think we're in rulemaking now. Um, once we, if, if they get past that hurdle, I think, you know, as we were kind of talking before this started, um, I think there's going to be some legal challenges to it. So a ways to go, but uh, definitely newsworthy. Um, you know, that is a, a hot topic right now. And Curious to see what, you know, you're hearing from uh, your clients on the, the consulting end. Yeah, I mean, non-competes are, uh, they're a touchy subject. They're even a touchy subject for a company that wants to use them because not only can they help you secure employees like you stated, they also can be a big turnoff to getting talent in as well. Uh, it, it is a double-edged sword. But, I mean, honestly, if you're a, a C executive and you're, you're highly compensated, I, I don't see how you can operate without a non-compete. I mean, you're at that level of, you know, company, whatever, secrets or not, you know, the, the, the formulas that make everything work. But I think a lot of companies get into trouble when they try to take it too far down the ladder with uh, people. I, I know I've run into uh, roofing companies that even have it down to the foreman level in some area. And that's kind of, you're overusing the idea of it, I think. And that's probably what probably pushed this to begin with. I'm not illegal. That's why you're here. I personally think this thing's going to die out somewhere along the line because this is a big challenge. I know you you and I were chatting. It's probably going to get challenged all the way up to the highest court. I agree with that. But I think there's other ways around it. If that happens, I think from a company, I, I doubt like we, we talked earlier, I don't think it's going to bother your secrets or your, you know, your, your, um, protecting your equipment and your, your, your formulas and all that other, other areas of that, you can sign those agreements. They're different. I don't know. Non-compete. I've always looked at them this way. Are they most roofing companies? Do you really have a great percentage of your company you need them on? No, I'd rather protect my customer lists and, and stuff like that. I think are so much more important to make sure that they're geared down. So that's what I recommend when I go in to make sure nobody has access to get your, historical data offload that easily or get your your customer list your client base and all that to me that's the lifeblood of a roofing company 
Yeah, you know, I, I think those are good points, and I agree with you. I think, you know, sea level makes sense to me. The further you go down the, the, the food chain, the less it makes sense. Um, even if this rule goes through, I think there are ways to still secure non-solicitation of employees and customers, you know, confidentiality, proprietary information. And I think employers will have to get more creative. They'll have to come up with, you know, vested bonuses or repayment of certain things in the event that you leave. You know, it's not prohibiting you from leaving. It's just saying, you know, there's a penalty for doing that. And I don't think this rule really covers that stuff. So um, there's always a, where there's a will, there's a way. So I, I assume that uh, regardless of what happens, uh, employers will figure out how to uh, protect their highly compensated individuals. Um, next thing I want to turn to, John, is the in the storm and insurance restoration markets. Uh, Florida has been sort of the battleground for that. And we've had two special sessions, you know, one in third quarter, one in fourth quarter, um, that has uh, significantly changed the landscape of insurance and restoration work uh, here in Florida. Um, this last round that happened December 14th, I think it was, uh, the law itself went into effect January 1. Some really interesting stuff that has come out of that. I've just published an article on Roofing Contractor Magazine that kind of goes into more detail, but get into sort of the high level. Um, if you've got a policy after January 1, 2023, there's no more assignment of benefits. So, you know, a, a homeowner can't assign their benefits to um, the roofing contractor or the, the mitigation contractor. Some other things I think that are, are interesting is they put some burdens on insurers as well. They're requiring them to respond quicker, to maintain certain documentation, to play the game fairly. So I like to see that, you know, it wasn't all one-sided, you know, anti-contractor. There, there are some things for the insurer as well. As a homeowner in the state of Florida, I can tell you my, my rates, uh, you know, I guarantee they're going to double this year, if not more than that. Something's got to be done, right? And I don't know if, if this is necessarily the correct answer, but I think I, a lot of the things that I see here um, make sense, at least from a, a, you know, financial standpoint. So, you know, what are your thoughts on that, John? Well, I can, uh, I, I, I agree with uh, exactly what you said wholeheartedly. Let, let's start with the... Uh, uh, premiums. Uh, now right. I can tell you, my renewal just came in. I've been a homeowner in the state of Florida for 22 years and have never had a homeowner's claim ever. And mine doubled. My premium doubled. So uh, there's not much you can do about it because there's really no market to go out and shop it in. So you're going to get it. It's coming. I, I, I mean, I was not surprised because I've been prepared for it, but it's still a shocker when you open it up. So that's there. I do like the fact that accountability to the insurance companies, I think um, unfairly the roofer has been taking all the blame for all these problems in the state, uh, not by the, by the contractors association or anything, but when you see it on the news, the only thing that's broadcasted is our rates are higher because roofers are scamming the industry. And I don't think that, you know, there are bad players out there. We all know that, but overall, I think it's a lot of uh, like, other systems that we have with bureaucracy involved, which insurance is, it's broken. It needed to be fixed, but I don't think they're there. I think there's a lot more work to be done. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, one of the things I liked was they got rid of the attorney's fees, you know, the one-way attorney's fees for assignment benefits and all that kind of stuff. And that was a big driver. You know, I, obviously we don't do any of that 
that first party kind of stuff. But, you know, me, the attorneys were driving a lot of these cases and in turn increasing, you know, the cost that insurance companies have out there. So um, figuring out a way to kind of limit that. And look, there are you know, insurance companies do not do the right thing always. There are bad faith claims. There are times where they should be sued and you should be able to get attorney's fees for it. But I think there was some abuse there. Um, and kind of seeing that, I think, you know, hopefully we'll, you know, counteract some of the um, the increased premiums. I also agree with you. I think there there's going to be a lot more. <laughs> you know, it just un- unfortunately, Florida, because of the hurricanes, because of all the storm damage, it is where everything happens. Right. And and there's no other state that has this level of uh, this high of an economy and this this many claims. So um, something's got to happen because at some point, you know, you're, you're creating a huge disincentive for home ownership. Um, and lease costs will go up because the, you know, the landlords are paying that money. Yeah. So, um, as a state, we've got to do something again. What do I know? You know, right, wrong, indifferent. I don't know what the the correct answer is, but I do kind of like the thought process and I like a little bit of what I see. And, you know, I hear arguments on both sides, but uh, I think there, there's more to be seen. Um, you know, we're getting into, you know, new year now, and obviously I'm, just like everybody, we're cleaning up 2022, you know, I'm getting my 1099s out, I'm working on my taxes, I'm getting the stuff together, and it's a long process, and, you know, as we kind of move into 2023, and we're, we're looking at the new year, um, as you're talking to your, you know, consulting customers, what's what's on their mind, you know, what's what's big issue now that you think contractors or our listeners should be focused on? Well, the biggest thing, that I'm hearing is an amazing, I call it an amazing shift. Um, I'm getting more and more calls on how do I fix my operations? And I'm not, not talking about how do I run my business? I'm talking about my operations, which is the field portion of the company is a mess. And I'm getting more and more calls of that. And I've had companies that have called me and talked to me and said, I, I am to the point I can't raise my prices anymore when I'm selling to make up for lack of basically production efficiency, which honestly doesn't come down to the simple fact that you have a bad production. I mean, if you've got systems and procedures that are wrong, we, you know, those can be fixed and they'll help. But I think you're starting to see the strain, the overburden, the strain of having untrained workforce for so many years. And a lot of the good uh, trained people are retiring. I just think you got to be prepared. So what I want to jump on, I'm going to go off uh, off book here just for a second. You know, and anybody follows us, you know, Trent and I both, we love history, roofing history. We post a lot of things. We, we have a lot of neat stuff. But I'm thinking of this from historical. And I've always said this when I've done, when we spoke at the IRE and different events, we talk about production and that, that this labor force issue seems to be looked at, that this is something that's popped up over the last 20 years. And I've always said it hasn't. This started in the 80s. So interestingly enough, I have found industry studies that I've had packed away because we cleaned the storage unit out over the holidays. And I found them that has these industry studies from the 80s with very similar complaints and the patterns of where we're going, where we're at today. So this is almost a 40 year problem. So I'm going to put all that together in a document. We're going to get I'm going to get that out there. I'm going to post it out there on the Internet so people can see it. And I also found a lot of old studies like 
we do. And I, and I believe you're doing this trend. Aren't you doing the state of the industry coming up here? Yeah, um, so absolutely. Are you doing the state? I found original surveys before the state of the industry was done the way it is now, back starting in 80s and, and 90s. So kind of put like a little pattern of history together what it is. But I think the biggest thing is, and I'm going to leave this for the surprise, manufacturing has increased in production in dollars and construction's pretty much stayed flat. But no one's looked at it in reverse inflationary dollar. It really hasn't stayed flat. It's decreased because producing sixty-five, you know, $80,000 per worker today and it stayed flat. And in 1965, they produced $80,000 worth. And these are just these aren't the real numbers. You'll get those. But what I'm saying is if you reverse that, $80,000 in 1965 to stay flat would probably be somewhere around 120 or more today. So if we were flat, we'd actually increase. So they've never really looked at that right. So we're going to take a look at that and kind of really see where production is dropped and when it happens. So I think that'll be pretty pretty neat to see out there for everybody. But yeah, that, that is. work on your production. Check your systems and processes first. Your reporting structure up. I've talked to a lot of people, and I, have you seen an increase on the OSHA violations and fines over uh, recently? I've heard, of, yeah. I've heard about those too. Um, get your policies fixed, and and so much with your policies is how the information flows in your company. Who's actually responsible to make sure your people are following the safety rules that you're supposed to be? So those those are the business areas that I got hearing the most and some tips on. Tell you that's that's really exciting about that comparison. Um, I'm really interested in seeing that data and it, it makes sense to me. You know, I, I, uh, I, I wonder how much are we getting out of our current workforce compared to what it was, you know, and I think there's a financial aspect of that and there's also an efficiency aspect. So I think that's, that's really interesting. And John, as always, you're the, the guru of history. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. We're going to um, try to get that out here in the next 35 days or so before we get to IRE at least. Oh, and nice. Some interesting reading. So now, John, it is time. It's your favorite time. Uh, the question of the day. Yep. So uh, as you can see, I got my handy list here. We've got, <laughs> we're up to about 67, 68 questions still, but uh so this is a good question. This is from Daryl. Um, Daryl, first off, thanks for your question. Uh, he's asking about um, using cameras on job sites. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, the cameras that monitor the progress of the job site and whether or not that is a good idea. Um, so I'll let you take a crack at it. And what's your thoughts? I know you had the experience with it in the contracting world. You know, uh, do you find them useful or do you think it's a you know potential hindrance? Well, I mean, they have their place. I will say that. And I will tell you where some of their places are. You're in an area and I've heard a lot of contractors talking about theft on their jobs. Having these cameras set up, there's nothing better because they work usually work off of motion. Um, the only thing that I recommend if you want to spend the money is make sure that it's cloud backed up immediately the ones that have like the built-in Wi-Fi, you know, the satellite or whatever technology they're on, because if it just has a chip in it, guess what happens? They just steal your camera and you don't have any evidence. But if they're instant backup, which a lot of them are now and they're reasonable, they work really good. So for that, they're excellent. Honestly, I would use them on my crews. I would use them just the same way I've explained about drones. Tell your crews, be honest about it. Tell them it's not there to be a spy factor. It's there to make sure 
that we can learn if we see any safety problems going on. Use it as a training. Use it to help your foreman work with the crew so you get a nice visual of production of how it went. There's a lot of positive uses, but it's like anything else. If you use technology, make sure everyone involved realizes that you're not doing it just to spy on them to make sure they're working. It's about improving in quality and protecting them. But for theft, it's really, really good. Uh, it, it will it will protect you. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. I think, I think the uh, benefits outweigh the potential cost. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously from a legal standpoint, you're filming 24-7 what's going on on that project, right? So if there's a problem, if there's a safety issue, if there's a defect, if there's something that wasn't done correctly, there's no hiding it. There's no there's no arguing that it didn't happen because you've got the film footage to to show what happened or what didn't happen. The converse of that is tremendous learning tool, you know, great for your customer because they get to see real time of what's going on. Uh, it allows you to remotely view the job site. Um, so you may be in an office in a different state, but you can click it on and see what's going on and, you know, communicate real time with your superintendent or foreman that's on the job. Um, so definitely recommend it. Uh, I think it's a, a good tool, but, you know, also be aware that, you know, it's uh, if there's a problem, you're going to see it and you're going to have evidence of it. Uh, and that evidence is discoverable. So just something to think about. Thank you, Daryl, for the question. I always appreciate it. John, my friend, we are at the end of another episode of Law and Mortar. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. As always, I'm Trent Cotney. You can reach me at trent.cotney at arlaw.com. John, how can they reach you? Give me at uh, jkenny at cottonyconsulting.com. And I want to wish everybody a very happy new year and prosperous, safe, and may all your dreams come true. Yes, sir. I thought you're looking, looking forward to a great 2023. Thank you guys for making us number one construction law podcast in the world. Stay tuned next week for more.